Welcome back to another episode of Sweet Script Stories. I'm Eric Grubaugh. And I'm Tim Dietrich. And today we are joined by a special guest, Chloe Windall. Hi, guys. Hello. Would Welcome. you like to give people a little introduction to who you are and what, what you do? Oh, sure. Um, my name's Chloe Windall. I'm the business systems administrator for a company called Enetics. Um, Enetics is an IT company that provides integrated solutions for cybersecurity, networks, campus security, and phone systems for education and government organizations. Um, I provide the day-to-day -day support for internal end users that use NetSuite, um, as well as our expense reporting and coding systems that we have integrated with NetSuite. Um, pretty much if anybody runs into any issues with the systems, I'm on it. Um, I handle all the day-to-day -day issues that people run into. Um, so like, why can't I fulfill the sales order? Um, why does inventory show nothing available for this item, but the VIN, VIN shows nothing available? Um, I, I get to do a lot of detective work and I deal with a lot of uh, those kinds of issues. Um, I maintain the system access for all the users and I assist with managing and monitoring the system uh, for proper performance and functionality. Um, I complete CSV imports, mass updates, um, I create a lot of saved searches, so pretty much if anybody needs a saved search or a report created in the system, I'll do that for them. Um, I do workflows, I install and update bundles, um, and then a really big part of my job is enforcing different processes that we have in place. Um, so in my role, I need to have a good understanding about what everybody's role is in the company and what their daily tasks or processes are in the system. Uh, a lot of times when something th or somebody thinks that something's broken in the system, it's really just be, uh, user error due to them not following proper procedures. So I kind of need to really understand what they all do. Um, I really like working with everybody in the company. It's, it's cool having a position where you get to work with everybody across all departments and across all regions. Um, it definitely keeps my work interesting. Sounds like you wear a lot of different hats and you know you're like the the go-to person for NetSuite at Ednetics. Uh, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and I think when you started there you were doing accounts payable work right and then was that your first time ever using NetSuite or what was your background on that? Yeah um, that was the first time I used NetSuite. Um, I did have experience with other systems before that. Uh, I don't know if we I need to kind of explain my background a little bit that kind of was my path to NetSuite. Um, so uh, back in Minnesota, that's where I'm from. My family owns the business uh, and they're a lot like Ednetics, they're an IT company. Um, I think my dad started Minco Technology Center in 95. So I was kind of raised around technology and I was kind of destined to be a computer nerd. Um, I started working for them when I was 13. Uh, I started as the administrative assistant for them. Um, I started doing just simple duties like filing and basic data entry. And as time went on, I took more and more duties on. Uh, once I got older, I ended up doing AR and AP and a lot of other accounting related tasks. Um, I eventually had a dual role with them. I worked as a PC technician for them. Um, I built and loaded custom PCs and did some basic and shop repair work. Um, after some time of that, I took on a third role with the company and became a low voltage installer. I did a lot of cabling, installed security cameras, access points, switches, routers, um, and speaker systems for local businesses. Um, and then when I was in college, we made some changes with the company. Uh, we changed the name to Windall Technology. Uh, the main difference was that we used to have a retail store, but we decided to stray away from retail and focus primarily on our services. Um, once we became Windall Technology, I ended up helping run the business alongside my father. Um, I performed all the back office duties, all the accounting work, uh, ARAP, all the taxes. I did all the ordering. I dispatched the technicians. I did all the HR related tasks, like the hiring, the firing, recruiting, payroll and benefits. Um, at that time, I was also still working as a PC technician and did the majority of our PC builds and loads. Um, so I was pretty much involved with all aspects of the business. Uh, 
after a couple of years of running the business with my dad, I decided to make life change and move to Idaho. Um, after I moved to Idaho, I ended up finding Genetics, and um, I really thought they'd be a great company to work for. Um, that's when I ended up landing the job at uh, doing AP for them. Uh, I think they hired me on because I came straight from the same industry that they're in, and I had experience doing accounting for a tech company. Um, so I did AP for Genetics for just over a year and a half, and that's when my current manager reached out to me about a business systems admin position that opened up. Um, from working with her, she kind of caught on that I was pretty savvy with systems, and I caught on to things pretty quickly, and I'm really meticulous with my work. Um, so I decided to apply for the position, and I ended up getting it. Um, I had some experience implementing and managing new systems before, which I think kind of helped me get this position. Um, I didn't use NetSuite before this though, but I do think my experience kind of helped me get an edge on it. Yeah, it sounds like you've got just a ton of experience in everything. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of hustle. Yeah. Yeah, yep, lots going on. Wow. So when you guys, when you got that position and started doing the NetSuite work there, was that, were they already using NetSuite when you took the position there? Or was that an implementation that happened when you were there? Um, they were already into NetSuite. I think they started using NetSuite um, a couple years before I started with them, maybe like a year or two before I started with them. So they already, they already had it going. So the dust was settling or settled at that point, if it ever is really, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it ever is. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's always something changing. Cool. So uh, also, you know, it's sort of stalked you on LinkedIn to figure out like what your background was. I know you've got a bachelor's degree in business management and you, you had an HR concentration, which was kind of interesting. Um, do you think that because it sounds like you've had you had just a ton of experience even before that, but you know, do you think that that experience at college and everything did that help with what you're doing today? Yeah, um, I'd say my educational background has definitely helped me, um, but I'd say my experience is the main thing that got me where I am today. Um, I have a, a degree in business management with a concentration in HR. So it's kind of very different than what I'm doing right now. Um, I would say though that uh, it, it does help with my my day-to-day -day work uh, in some ways. So I guess kind of a little bit more info about my educational background. Um, when I first started going to college, I started off with dental hygiene and I did that for about a year and I just kind of woke up one day and just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And at that time I was working for my family's company, mostly doing accounting work. So I decided to change my major to accounting. Uh, I did the accounting program for a couple of years. And when I was about a year away from graduating, I again decided to change my major. Um, this time it was because uh, I already had a ton of accounting experience because that's what I was doing for work. And also I was going to school for it. And it was already what I was doing. So I decided that I wanted to do something that I didn't know as much about because I wanted to be more of a well-rounded business professional. So I was looking at the HR program because that was one thing that I really didn't know so much about. Um, I was potentially faced with maybe taking over my family's business someday. So that was kind of why I wanted to know a little bit of everything in the business world. Um, so then I ended up changing my major to HR and that's what I stuck with in the end. Um, I, I do think that uh, it does help with my work, just having uh, a wide range of business knowledge. Uh, I think it's important for uh, NetSuite admins to have at least a basic understanding of accounting. Um, that's helped me out a lot with my work. And then um, I don't know so much about with my HR background, but I'd say that if anything good came out from that, um, I became a much more effective communicator from my experience. And I need to be a good communicator when it, um, I'm a, a business systems admin. 
that goes for developers out there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that before. I think having good communication skills, regardless of what you're doing in business or just in life in general, is really the key to success. You know, I would imagine that an HR concentration that you had, like you probably end up, ended up learning a lot about, you know, how to deal with people <laughs> verbally, written. Oh, yeah. 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 Pretty cool. So the other thing I noticed and I, um, I was going to ask you about is, um, and it's not business related at all, but you, when you were at St. Cloud, that's where you went to college, I saw that for activities and societies, you listed motocross. And I thought that was an interesting twist on everything else that I saw from your background. I was like, oh, <laughs> so what's that all about? Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like through college. I just had that in activities. It was something that I was doing at that time and also in high school. Um, how it all started though, uh, my family's always been into motorcycles and snowmobiles, cars, anything with motors. Uh, I started off doing drag races with my little Z120 sled when I was, I was pretty little, probably five. And I just fell in love with everything with a motor. Um, I was then introduced to a dirt bike when I was probably nine or 10 years old. Um, my first bike was a CRF 80. Uh, I did a lot of trail riding with my family growing up uh, and it, they, they couldn't rip me off that dirt bike. I was on it all the time. Uh, it, it ended up just kind of taking off after that. Um, I ended up starting up with racing on a CRF 150R. Uh, after I outgrew that bike, I ended up moving over to a YZ125. Uh, that's when it really took off for me. Two strokes were kind of my thing. Uh, I raced AMA, uh, sorry, I raced AMA District 23 motocross, which it's the racing district for Minnesota. Um, I raced in the women's class, and I also did some racing against the boys in the 125 class. Uh, motocross is a really, really fun family sport. Um, all the families that show up, they're all really supportive of each other. It's really cool being able to um, be pretty hardcore and race against people and get really competitive. But then once you go over the finish line, you're all giving each other high fives and talking about how awesome that was. So it's a, it's a really cool sport. Um, my dad also rode and my little brother raced as well. My, my dad was our coach and he was really awesome. He really pushed us a lot and got us out of our comfort zones. Um, both my parents were really uh, supportive when it came to motocross and I'll forever be grateful for that. Um, we were at the track sometimes four days a week with races every Sunday. So it pretty much ate up our life for a long time. Um, motocross was pretty much our life for a while. Um, after some time, I ended up wanting to try out a four stroke again. So I got a KTM 250 SXF. I kept my 125 though, so I could still race to the 125 class for a while. Um, I raced a couple seasons with my KTM, but I was still partial to my 125. Uh, although I ended up selling it at some point. Two strokes are just so much fun for me. I love the power band. Uh, it has a totally different feel than four strokes. Um, but yeah, with motocross, it's not really about if you'll get hurt, it's about when you'll get hurt. It's pretty uh -oh. brutal. <laughs> I've had, I didn't crash all that often, but when I did, it was pretty bad. Um, I've smashed my teeth out. I had a deep muscle contusion in my leg where I still have a big dent in it. I flat landed once and broke both my ankles at the same time. Ooh. I broke my foot. I've had four foot and ankle surgeries. I have metal in my foot. Yeah. So it's a miracle that we're even <laughs> talking to you right now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a really fun sport. It's it's it can be brutal on you physically. I mean, um, you have to be in really good shape. You need endurance and strength, but a big part of it is a mental game. You have to kind of be not afraid of getting hurt. Uh, as soon as you start psyching yourself out, that's when you're going to start making mistakes and hurting yourself. But but yeah, um, right before I moved to Idaho a few years ago, um, I ended up selling my KTM. So I don't have a bike right now. I haven't ridden for a couple years now. So um, I am looking at getting another 125 though in the near future and hitting some tracks up again. Got it. Wow. <laughs> Other than a whole bunch of injuries, what would you say you've brought from like your, your motocross 
uh, you know, lifestyle, I guess, into how does that affect or improve your professional career? Um, so it, it's helped me out quite a bit with my life as far as, I guess, confidence goes. And also, uh, motocross is a very male-dominated sport. Um, there really weren't very many women that raced. And when I, whenever I did the 125 class, uh, I was the only female that raced that one. So um, I was competing against guys, and I was just in the sport where guys always just assume, oh, you're a woman, you're not going to be very good at this. But then that also went with a lot of the jobs I had when I was um, building computers and when I was cabling and doing all that stuff, I was the only female technician. And um, I had to deal with a lot of, a lot of uh, people saying things that like, I'm not capable of this job because I'm a woman or um, it's just amazing how, how straightforward some people can be about that kind of stuff and they'll say it right to your face. But I think that with motocross, me being used to, you know, being surrounded by guys and being in the sport that's male dominated, it, it kind of helped me um, stay strong, I guess, in, in jobs where it's also like that. I mean, the same thing can be with uh, the, my business systems admin position. Um, on my team, it's the only females on the team are me and my manager, and then everybody else are men. And also, just this whole company as a whole, there really aren't that very many women with it being a tech company. So I'd say that motocross has helped me a lot with my confidence in kind of male-dominated areas. So when we were setting up the interview, um, you mentioned that you do just about everything except for sweet script at Ednetics, which is kind of funny because, you know, our, our podcast is all about NetSuite development and it's got sweet script in the title and all that good stuff. So it was kind of funny that that's the one thing you don't do. Um, is, is that something that at some point you think you're going to do or, you know, cause it seems like you must be pushing the boundaries of everything else, you know, workflows and, and all that, like, I'm surprised you haven't like gotten the itch and like, oh, gonna check this part of that suite out. Yeah, um, it's something I definitely want to learn. Um, for me, it's it's not that I haven't learned it just because I don't want to really. It, it's more like with my specific position, it just isn't one of my job duties. Um, my manager, uh, that's pretty much in her realm. So that's just kind of how we split up our duties. Uh, it is something, though, that I do want to learn, and it's something that I'm planning on learning on my own time, definitely, with it being that one piece that I just haven't done yet. In uh, so along those lines, and with all of the hats you're wearing, I mean, it, it sounds like you're working 80, 100 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah. how do you go about... You know, so, okay, so you want to learn SweetScript or, you know, anytime you've wanted to branch out and try on one of these different hats or had to try on a different hat, how do you go about uh, learning those new things, trying, you know, how do you work that into what sounds like an already super jam-packed schedule? Yeah, so um, when I'm learning new things, I, I, I go about different routes. I use um, Sweet Answers quite a bit. If something's not in Sweet Answers, then I'll pull out Google and I'll start uh, researching off the internet because there's a lot of resources out there if that's beyond Sweet Answers. Um, Slack, the Slack community is really awesome. Um, when I was first starting in this position, when I was pretty fresh with it, um, I kind of use Slack as a way to train myself. When people would post questions, I would a lot of times wonder, hmm, how would you do that? And then I'd go into our sandbox account and figure it out. Um, I would come up with, also I would come up with different scenarios, like when I was first learning the system um, of different issues that could possibly arise and then how I would deal with them. Um, a lot of it's trial and error. I, before I do anything new, I'll always do it in sandbox first, so I'm not messing anything up in the system. But um, 
yeah, there's just a lot of really helpful resources out there. I think um, I think some people think that if it's not in sweet answers, then it's not a thing, but that's not true. There's a lot of a lot of other resources out there. Yeah, definitely. And so do you do you make that? Do you have like a system or habits or something like or is it just kind of when you get time, you you know, you start doing that research? Um, as I have time or um, if I'm working on something and then I run into a different piece that, oh, I don't know so much about this, then mm -hmm. I will um, do research on it and then learn about that piece as well. Um, as I'm working on stuff, I like to understand every bit of it. So I'm kind of kind of a, a research person. I like to really heavily research things before I, I actually follow through with them. I like to really know what I'm doing before I'm doing the stuff. So, um... I think you also, you know, you mentioned a couple of times that it's you and your manager that, you know, like when something, you reach a point where you know you need sweet script to solve an issue that it gets like moved into her world. Um, what's the kind of, what's that process like? Like at what point do you, or, or I, I guess I'll sort of back up. How do you guys try to determine whether or not something is going to require scripting in which case it falls into your manager's world or, you know, otherwise it ends up something that you can do. Like, what's that process like? Is there a formal process or do you just kind of play it by ear? Um, yeah, so if, if say it's a new thing that we're trying to do and we're trying to decide if it should be done, you know, through scripting or a different route, um, I'll first go in and see if we can accomplish whatever it is with like a workflow and see if it could work that way. If it doesn't work that way, then I'd reach out and be like, hey, we're gonna have to do a script for this. Um, so I, I, that's usually how it is. Or if there's like an issue in the system, like, oh, all of a sudden this, this field isn't populating based off of the selection when it normally would, then I might go in and see, oh, is this a workflow that's doing this or is this a script? Um, then if it's a workflow, then I'll take care of it. Um, if I find that, oh, it's a script that's doing this, then I let my manager know that it's a script doing it and then she'll handle that. I see. So I kind of help identify um, through uh, issues that might happen uh, if it's a script issue or if it's a workflow. Right. I, I know also from our kind of back and forth before the episode for recording this, that you had mentioned that you're doing some interesting things with saved searches. And I think Eric was kind of curious about that. You know, like <laughs> you mentioned that they were, you're doing some pretty complex stuff and you found some interesting tricks that you might want to share with us or. Yeah. Um, so save searches are, by far my most favorite thing to do as an admin. I really, really love them. Um, I like how you can get really creative with the formulas. Um, pretty much pretty much anytime I'm tasked with a save search, I see it as a challenge in that, you know, I have to figure this out one way or the other. Um, and, and in more cases than not, even when it's times that you think that, oh, I don't know if a save search can do this, um, chances are it can. There's just so much that you can do with save searches and formulas. And I get really excited about creating different formulas. Um, one of those things uh, that I really wanted to do, this is just an example. And this goes back to the whole theme of research and going beyond sweet answers. Um, one time I was working on a save search where I wanted to see, for example, all of the related invoices to a sales order. But if you do a save search for sales orders and you want to get the related invoices, traditionally, if you have the sales order and then the, uh, you have the related invoice in the results, there will be a line for each invoice. And then there will be a line for each uh, for the sales order number, but it'll be duplicated because there's multiple in invoices for that sales order. But I wanted to be able to have the sales order 
show just once and then on one line show all of the related invoices. And that was a situation where I spent a lot of time with sweet answers and I couldn't find a function that could work with my formula that I was trying to do to accomplish this. So I went out onto the internet and I don't even remember exactly where I found this, but there's um, an undocumented function uh, called nsconcat. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that one before. Um, it's ns bottom score concat. And holy cow, after finding that undocumented function, um, it solved all sorts of issues for me with some saved searches that I was doing. So going back to that scenario I was talking about with um, sales orders and related invoices, in this example, um, when I use nsconcat, um, well, nsconcat, it's, uh, it returns a comma-separated list of records as a string. So using that, I was able to pull in all of the related invoices on just one line for the sales order instead of it being separate lines. And then the awesome thing with nsconcat, you can also use HTML uh, formatting with it. So if you don't want them all just listed as a string, uh, comma separated string, you can add in um, line breaks. So you can have it um, formatted diff differently as well. And um, after I discovered that kind of undocumented function, that's that's helped me with quite a bit of uh, searches that we were doing that we were trying to accomplish that with. Um, so it, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet that that's not in sweet answers. Um, I know that with it being an undocumented function, it's kind of a use at your own risk kind of situation. But anytime I've ever used NSConcat, it's worked perfectly as I wanted it to. So that's that's a pretty cool one. Um, I recently came across that one myself. I think somebody mentioned it on the Slack channel for integrations or something. I don't remember exactly where, and I had never heard of it before. I got all excited about it because I thought, oh, I can use that. You know, I was going to use it in a query for SweetQL, and I don't think it's supported in there. So I was disappointed. You know, it's one of the few times that I think there's a function that that's available. You know, through searching, that's not available through a query, um, which I thought was kind of odd because usually the the functions are you know up there in par up to par. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that you found it and I didn't realize it wasn't documented at all. So I couldn't cool. find it in any any sort of help article or anything NetSuite or straight from Oracle or anything. I found it. I don't even remember exactly where I found it, but it was a really, really sweet find. Yeah, sounds like it. I think there's a bunch of things that we have access to and don't realize, you know, that are available just because NetSuite's running on top of Oracle. And every once in a while, you'll discover that there is a function that's available that it isn't documented or, you know, it's mentioned in passing, you know, on a, you know, like a blog post somewhere. It's, it's interesting. I wish that we could find more of those and I wish that people would share them, you know, because who knows what else is out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's um, there's some some limitations with safe searches too that um, everybody thinks is just a limitation, but um, in some cases there's some workarounds for them. Um, kind of another cool find that I discovered was um, so with safe searches they they support a single join, but you can't really get past that. So for example, if you're doing like a con contract search and uh, you you want to get to the original sales order number and from that original sales order you want to get the related invoices. So you can get to the original sales order and you can do a join for the billing transaction, but really the only information you can get of that billing transaction is the name of it. You can't do another join to get more information from that. Um, there is a method that you can use. It's a, a double dot method where um, if you put in the formula, that field that, that you're joining, but then you add a dot ID at the end of it, you can actually pull the internal ID of that record. So um, I've tried it with other, 
other fields. So far, it hasn't worked with other fields, just the internal ID. But it, it pretty much like it, it changed so much for me just in my mind with safe searches because it, it was a limitation that I always thought was just just a forever limitation with safe searches. But then um, using this double dot method, you can actually go beyond um, a, a normal single join. Although it's just with internal ID, but it's still opened up some doors that you can do a, a double join that way. Interesting. Yeah, very cool. So with these, you know, these sorts of things you found and your other save search sorcery, are there things you've been able to do with that um, that maybe uh, superseded the need for a script or like avoided needing a script or or really changed the way that um, you you and your team were approaching something? Um, I don't know if I have been able to really avoid um, scripts being having to be created for my safe searches, but I have been able to do things that um, that we didn't think that could be done. For another example of one that I, this one I kind of discovered on my own. It's just a weird workaround. Um, so with uh, reminders, you know, behind those are saved searches. Um, normally, summary saved searches they don't work in reminders. They might they might show like zero results when there's really results, or it'll show a different number of results than what there actually is. So that's another thing where we always just thought it was a limitation with the system. Um, I found out a workaround to make summary safe searches with the reminders. Um, if you add, if, if for example, you had a reminder for, it was like a search for projects um, and it was a summary search, you would add a column for the internal ID, but use the summary type count um, I use internal ID because there's just one internal ID for each record and it's unique for each one. So there will be a count of one for each row. Um, if you add that into the search and you add it in reminders, it actually works and it shows the right number of results. And um, I think it's, it has to do with the count that there's actually something for that search to pull through that's a solid, it's one for each row. Um, although um, that column isn't really relevant to users, if they open that search up, they'll see a column for the counts of the internal ID. You know, that's not really relevant to them, but it's enough with that being added in there, it at least makes that search usable in reminders. So if, if, I, if I do do that route, then I'll just add it at the very uh, beginning or end of the results. So it's kind of out of the way of the information, but... Um, just finding it's it's cool finding these cool workarounds to you know work around these things that you think is something that you can't do in the system and then you can actually do it. Yeah, that's always fun. So, what do you think out of all these finding these these cool things you can do? What what's like the project or the thing you've done that has had that you feel has had the biggest impact either the company or your career or, or whatever that might be um i'd say the, the biggest one that i've done for the company um it's a project that i'm still working on right now um basically what i'm doing is i'm going from department to department and i'm recreating everybody's netsuite roles in the system and completely recreating the centers and their tabs and um, and then creating lockdown published home dashboards for every single role. So I'd say that that I've actually, I've gotten a lot of feedback on and um, um, a lot of teams are reporting better efficiency with their work because the whole goal with recreating these dashboards is to help streamline their work. Mm -hmm and have it front and center for them right on their dashboard and have, you know, really good, good information on there for them. Um, so this project, uh, we're doing it not just for the dashboards part, but with uh, the permissions, we realized that a lot of the roles that 
people were using had permissions that they probably shouldn't have. Um, and we also had the issue where some people had multiple roles and they'd have to switch between different roles to get all their tasks accomplished throughout the day. So kind of the goal with the project is to have better controls in place, you know, go through all the permissions, make sure that um, depending on the permission or the level that they have, that we go through some sort of approval process. Um, and so it's good for getting better controls in place, but then um, also with everybody that had multiple roles, um, I'm, I'm recreating one good role for them where they can do everything they need, where they don't have to switch around. Uh, and then having the published lockdown home dashboards, we have them all locked down um, because we want to be able to know that everybody that's using this role, this is what everybody sees. They're seeing the same thing. Yep. So it's it's a universal thing. Um, so I, I've I've gotten a lot of really good feedback on that. It's been a, a big project having to recreate so many roles. So it's been kind of ongoing over these months. But um, I'd say that's probably one of the the biggest projects that I've done that I, I'd say um, has helped things out with the company. How many users do you have in NetSuite? Um, I think we have we have over a hundred. I don't know the exact count off the top of my head. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty nice sized um, account that you've got. Yep, and everybody's spread out. I mean, we're there's people in different locations, and we have different regions going on. So yeah, we got we got a lot of people in there. So I'm gonna flip my previous question around or alter it just a little bit. So that's the the project you've done that's had the, maybe the most impact or is having the most impact. What's the I don't know, maybe the thing or the person or the event or the habit, I don't know, that has had the biggest impact on you and sort of your success in your career or life. <laughs> um, well, I guess if it was anything that I'd have to choose from, um, probably I'm kind of a perfectionist with what I do. Um, I'm extremely meticulous with my work and I'm just, just with being kind of a perfectionist and being very meticulous, that's helped big time being a, a system admin. You have to pay attention to the little details, especially if you're fixing things. Um, I'd say that's the biggest thing. And also just, uh, I always strive to be as self-sufficient as possible. So before I go and ask somebody for help on something, I'll spend all the time researching whatever it is or um, testing things out myself, trying to figure it out. So I'll exhaust all options uh, before I go to anybody for help for things. I like to be self-sufficient. So I think just kind of that drive of being self-sufficient and um, wanting everything done correctly the first time, that's helped me out quite a bit as an admin. And how do you go about, you know, when you say you're meticulous, how do you go about keeping track of all those, the little details? Is that just something you're naturally good at and you can do that in your head? Do you have systems or habits that help, that help you with that? Oh yeah. Um, well, let's just say, for example, I am working on a search or I'm fixing a search. Like somebody was like, hey, all of a sudden they realize the search isn't pulling the right information or um, or if I'm going to make a, a, a customization of some sort in the system, like they need this new, they need this field to replace this existing field, but there's already a bunch of data entered into these fields for um, older records. So like how I would keep track of stuff like that, um, before I make any changes, I'll like, for example, if I'm replacing a field in the system, I'll, I'll run a search and I'll, I'll have it saved. I'll export it and save it on my computer of the results. So like I would run a search for all the records that had this field already filled in. 
And then I would make sure that I have that saved so that if I, as I'm working on this and all of a sudden I replace that field or in, in all of the historical information got wiped out, at least I have this sheet that I had saved on my computer of all the information that might've gotten wiped out so that I can at least get it fixed so that there's, it's not just the last cause. So before I do anything like that, I'll, I'll make sure that um, I'll do stuff like that so that I, I don't potentially risk um, losing information or messing things up. Or um, if I'm doing safe searches, for example, to like to ensure that I have correct information, I might do a very basic search to make sure I, I have all of the results that should for sure be there that would be in a certain column. And then I would recreate the search and then I would compare it to the other search that I did to make sure I'm not missing anything. So those are, those are kind of some of the things that I do. Just being very intentional. <laughs> So Chloe, do you have any plans to pursue any of the NetSuite certifications? Yeah, um, I actually just recently decided I wanna work on getting my Suite Foundation certification. Um, I'm planning on getting started with preparing for it later this month. It's the yeah. toughest one. Yeah, that's, that's what they say. But um, it's my understanding that you need that one kind of first before you work on other certs. I could be wrong. Yeah, you, you, you need it to get the other certifications, but you don't have to take it first. So I took, okay. I took the developer exam first, but I still needed the foundations to you know, have the official certification. So you need it, but it doesn't have to be first necessarily. But there's no reason not to start there. Gotcha. Thank yeah, you. it's not the certifications aren't really required for my position, but I always like to grow and I like to better myself. So even if it's not required for my job or anything, it's something that I still want to get. So Eric, you've actually made that comment in the past about how you thought that the Sweet Foundation um, certification was the toughest one is like, what about it do you think makes it so difficult is that it's just so it's so wide-ranging in terms of what it tries to cover or is there some other aspect of it yeah it's very wide-ranging and with as with many of the certifications there's just a lot of it or with the exams rather there's a lot of it that is about like rote memorization of the ui which is I'm going to avoid making judgment calls here, but there's just, it's very wide ranging and uh, it's just very generic. And uh, it's not that it's like super complicated or complex material or anything like that. It's just very broad and it's a little hard to prepare for because it's so broad. And that's why it's a huge system. It, the great thing about it is it lets you do a ton of things. And the problem with it is that it lets you do a whole ton of things. Right. Which is why Chloe's redesigning dashboards right now. It shows you way too much, it shows you way more than you need. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's definitely the toughest one just because it is so broad, right? It's, it's about just being a general user in NetSuite, all of the things you might touch with a little bit of sort of administrative or maybe accounting thrown in there, which, you know, many users don't really get to touch anyway. So it's just a difficult yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, you're not the first person that said that, but you have said it multiple times and I've been meaning to ask you about it. So I'm glad I did. So Chloe, I think we'll start to wrap up, but I had one last question for you. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about, you know, trying to get a career going in the NetSuite space? Is there any anything you wish you had somebody had said to you back when you started this your position, or anything you would have done differently? Um. Well, what I what I would say is uh, kind of going back to what I was talking about before. Um, there's a lot of resources out there that's beyond Sweet Answers. 
Um, and there's communities that you can join, like the Slack community. Um, you can you can just find so much information out there. It's just NetSuite is such a huge huge system, and there's so much that you can do with it. So it can get kind of overwhelming sometimes, feeling like you know you don't understand different things with it. But um, just it, it's good to just kind of take a step back sometimes, and um, you know do some research. Uh, sometimes if you're if you're working on something. Um, you know, you might be caught up on something for hours trying to figure this this thing out that seems so simple, and and it, you're just trying to wrap your brain around it, but you just can't. Um, sometimes it helps a lot to just walk away from that, put it down for a while, pick up something else, and work on something else for a while. Um, I've had a lot of times where um, I had to put something down, and then I I call it a day, and then I'm sitting there having dinner or laying in bed trying to sleep and all of a sudden, holy cow, I just came up with my solution. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need to kind of step away from things sometimes and have a fresh brain. Um, and a lot of times when you think something can't be done in the system, uh, you have to just get a little bit creative and uh, there's a lot of workarounds you can do. Yeah, that's great advice. I think I especially like the advice of stepping away from a problem if it's just got you stumped, you know, take a break and maybe go for a walk or something. It's amazing what that will do, you know, to clear your head. Mm. And I've also had those, um, those times where I'll like wake up in the middle of the night and the light bulb will come on and be like, you know, the problem I was trying to solve, the solution will just magically be there. (laughs) You know, it might be one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning. And then you can't wait to see if what you think will solve it will will in fact solve the problem yeah humans oh, yeah. Are, we're, we're interesting creatures aren't we <laughs> yeah i've had a, a couple times where i'm laying in bed thinking about a formula that i was having trouble on and then all of a sudden i think of oh this is how i would do it then i pull out my notebook on at my side table and I start writing out a formula at two in the morning (laughs) so I don't forget it. Right. Well, that's great advice. Eric, do you have anything else? Any other questions? Uh, I guess what is, so we're going to finish up this dashboard and roles project. Let's get our foundation certification. What is, what is next? What's the the long-term vision that you have for yourself? Um, just, I don't have any plans on, I guess, changing my career path at this point. Um, I never really thought I would be doing what I'm doing now, but, um, I just love it so much and I really love the company I'm working for. Um, my plan is sticking to what I'm doing and just, uh, continuing to grow in this role and bettering my skills. I mean, although I know a lot about NetSuite, I still find myself learning new things about it every day. Um, which is awesome. I love, I love having a job where, you know, it's, you're learning every day and you don't get bored from it. Um, so my plan is pretty much sticking to what I'm doing and just getting better. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great plan for sure. <laughs> doesn't get yeah, any better than you, that. So you find that, that home, that community where you enjoy it and the people you're working with and what you're doing, don't let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, is there anything else you want to, to finish up with, Chloe? Um, no. Thanks for having me on here. It was good chatting with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you very much. So before we wrap up, um, Eric, every week we try to come up with something interesting. Or I'm ready this time. Cool. Yeah. Um, and Chloe, I didn't. I didn't remember to kind of warn you about this, but if there's anything interesting or neat or whatever that you've come across recently and you want to share, uh, not to put you on the spot, but uh, but Eric, I'll let you go first since you have something. I do. It's not even remotely related to work or <laughs> professional anything, but I am one, a huge Star Wars fan, uh, and two, a huge fan of tabletop games 
So on the off chance that you, dear listener out there, I shouldn't have said dear listener, that's a Jonathan Stark thing, <laughs> are uh, a fan of those two things as well. There is a show I have been, uh, a podcast I've been listening to lately that is to to disconnect and unplug from things. Uh, it's called Respect the Crit. It's a There's a Star Wars tabletop game a group small group of friends playing it you just listen to them play the game and tell great hilarious funny and also emotional stories together it's uh it's pretty cool so i've been listening to that to to unplug lately so respect the crit go find them <laughs> pretty cool chloe did you have anything or again not to put you on the spot but oh yeah um well, I've been reading a book actually that um, my CIO suggested that we take a look at. It's called Making Work Visible by Dominica DeGrandis. And it's all about IT time management. And it goes over um, exposing time theft and how to optimize your workflow. So it's kind of, kind of uh, goes through solutions to help get, uh, help you better your time management. So kind of an interesting read. Great. We'll, uh, we'll find the link for that and include it in the show notes. Um, so the thing I was going to share is also more on the business side. I actually had two. And the other one, I, uh, Eric, I'm not going to believe it, but it did have to do with Star Wars. But I'll, I'll save that geekery for next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the book I was going to recommend is because we get asked this a lot, you know, for people that are starting out in Sweet Script. But um, you know, how can I get started? And we always say, you know, learn as much about JavaScript as you can as sort of a foundation. And there's a really uh, great book called JavaScript and jQuery by a company called Murac, and it's kind of a strange name. Again, we'll link to it in the show notes. But it's uh, a really uh, great introduction, I think, to JavaScript and jQuery and the way that it presents the material is kind of interesting. I won't try to go into detail here, but if you get a chance and you're interested, check the book out, look at the preview, and I think you'll see why uh, or I think it's a, an interesting way to present that material. So I guess on that note, we'll wrap it up. All right. Well, thank you again, Chloe, for joining us and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. Right. And join us again next time for more Sweet Script stories. Bye bye. <laughs>